the front. Hey, if you have a Bible again, I'm in Philippians chapter three. I'm gonna read verse 13, and then we're gonna jump into this sermon. Today, I wanna talk to you about the power of a decision, the power of a decision. This is what Apostle Paul said. He said, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made, but I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Is there anybody in the room today thankful that Jesus has reached out to you? Come on, I'm assuming he's reached out to more people than just a few over in this section right here, but is there anybody in the room grateful that he reached out to you? I'm grateful he reached out to me, but, but look what he says. I, I've got this responsibility. He says, I'm reaching out for Christ who has reached out for me. I love that God is the initiator in reaching out for us, but I love that he gives me this opportunity to respond and reach out for him as well. So he says this, friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I am off and running and I am not turning back. Come on, is there anybody in the room today you've decided to follow Jesus? There's no plan B, plan B there's no other option. You're not like looking for outs, like Jesus is, is the only way for you. Come on, make a little bit of noise if Jesus is the decision that you've made. I have decided to follow Jesus. Let's pray, Father in Jesus' name, we thank you for this opportunity to be here. You're good, you're faithful. Today, I really do believe that there is breakthrough available in this room. There's breakthrough. The power of a decision is that we can, we can decide today that we are going to break through. We don't have to wait for our circumstances to change. We don't have to wait for our situation to change. We can make a decision in our hearts and in our lives to, to break through today. We give you honor for everything you're gonna do and say in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said Amen. I love this. He says, I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running. I'm not turning back. One of the things I love about the Apostle Paul was he was such a decisive person. Um, he was, when he was <laughs> a leader of the Jewish community, he was all in. When he converted to Christianity and gave his, gave his life to Jesus, he was all in. He was not turning back. He wasn't looking back. He, he made a decision to follow the Lord. And because of that, he was able to get to the end of his life and say things like this, I, I ran my race. I finished my course. I, I did what God called me to do. Is there anybody in the room today you wanna do what God has called you to do? Like you wanna finish the thing that God called you to do? Well, I've, I've got some good and bad news for you. You can. The problem is, is you're gonna have to make some decisions. You're gonna to have to move from good intentions into decisions. You're gonna to have to move even from commitments. I thought about calling this message the power of commitment, but I think commitment is just an idea until we make a decision. Because I can say, man, I'm committed, but until I make a decision to commit, I'd put myself on the line. I actually step over that line and cross into the place of decision. Then I'm just a person that's got good intentions, good ideas, maybe some dreams and some hopes. But the thing about a dream is all you have to do to have a dream is fall asleep. There's a lot of people running around with a dream, but very few people are actually seeing the dreams that God's put into their life come to pass. And the difference, the thing that closes the gap between your dreams and your reality are your decisions. You are the result of the decisions that you make. And indecision in itself is a decision. 
Sometimes we think, I just don't want to decide. I'm not a very decisive person. No, even when you don't decide to do something, you decide to do the opposite. It's a decision. (laughs) Even if you don't think you're decisive, you're actually very decisive. You decide to do nothing. And it shows. And I just need you to understand over the next 24 minutes, I'm going to be extremely offensive. I am because I don't have a whole lot of time to to mess around. Um, You know, I'm not an old man, but I I am 41 years old. And if if I live to be 82, which is which is a good life, then I've already lived half of my life. And I'm getting to this place in my life. And I, I guess that's why wisdom comes with age, because as you get older, you realize you have less time to waste. So like you get to this point in your life where you just don't put up with the stuff you used to put up with. You know, sometimes we're like grumpy, old people are grumpy. No, they're just wise. They don't put up with the junk you keep putting up with. And, 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 and it, I think you got to get to this point in your life where you realize that my time is limited. My time is valuable. What God wants to do in me is valuable. And me sitting here in a place of indecision is killing what God wants to do through my life. Can somebody say Amen. And I love it because Jesus gives us this example. In his short 33 years, he accomplished so much. But he recognized what was a distraction, what was necessary, when he could spend some time doing this, when he could not spend time doing things. I love at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he's, he's doing a lot of things that to me look like waste of time. But Jesus never wasted his time. He just understood how much time he had. And so he does things like he goes and he sits at a well and he waits for a woman to show up. And, and he has people that would come to him and say, hey, I need you to come to my house. And he would go over to their house. And, and he's, he's in this mode early on in his ministry where he's taking time to do some things that later on he, he just has no time for. And honestly, he gets a little bit rude. He gets a little bit grumpy as he gets closer to the, to the cross. He starts turning tables over. He gets sick of people wasting time in his house. He gets, he gets a little tired. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says that when Jesus... When the time had come for him to go to Jerusalem, he, the Bible literally says he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and nobody was going to mess with him. Nobody was going to distract him. Nobody was going to deter him. Matter of fact, when he made that decision, he kind of changed how he dealt with people. He walked up to a couple people, and he said, hey, follow me. And one of them said, hey, can I go bury my dad? He said, no time for that. Before, he would have followed him to his house and rose his, you know, prayed for his dad, and he would have rose from the dead, Right? But now he's like, no, no, no. If you want to follow me, you got to follow me. We don't have time for that. He told somebody else to follow him. They said, hey, can I go say goodbye to my family? He said, there's no time for that. Anybody who starts to follow me but looks back, they're not even worthy of me. I love that Jesus recognized the time that he had. And because of the time he had, he made the decisions he needed to make to do what he needed to do. And I just want you to understand, if you don't make decisions to eliminate distractions, then your circumstances will constantly dictate your agenda. Your situation will tell you what to do. People around you will tell you what to do. Your circumstances will say, hey, hey, this is how you should respond. This is how you should react. But when you have made up your mind to eliminate the distractions from your life, you don't let your circumstances dictate your agenda anymore because you know who you are. You know what you're called to do. You know where you're going and you know what's going to help you get there. Can somebody say amen? So at the beginning, Jesus is he's messing around at a wedding. He's just hanging out at a wedding. His mom's like, hey, uh, hey, uh, could, you, uh, could you hook them up? He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, they, they ran out of wine. The party's kind of, it's just not where it needs to be. And Jesus looks at his mom and he's like, hey, it's, it's not my hour yet. Like, 
this, this, it's not my time yet. And uh, being his mom, she knew he was gonna do whatever she told him to do. So he t- she tells the servant, she says, hey, whatever he says to do, do it. Jesus makes some wine at a wedding. But Jesus even said that this wasn't a miracle that he came to do. This wasn't something he was purposed to do. It's just something he did because his mama told him to do. <laughs> he told her, he's like, this is not what I'm here for. He just did it because his mama said to do it. But now he's at a place where he's just, he's, I, I, I'm not wasting my time. I don't have time to go sit at a well. I, I don't have time for that. I'm, I'm at a place where I need to get focused and I've got some decisions to make. James chapter one, verses six through eight, it says, double-minded people are unstable in all of their ways and they're tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. You need to make up your mind because when you're double-minded, you, you never make a decision. You're always wavering between two opinions. There are people in this room today and they're like, well, I haven't really made up my mind on God. You know, I haven't really made up my mind if this is my church. I haven't really made up my mind if this is the one that I'm supposed to marry. Hey, you've taken her to Carabas 25 times now. Like, it's time to make up your mind. You've been dating her for six years. Like, make a decision. Let the girl go or put a ring on it and commit to it and move forward in your life. Like, there, you're just, you're just double-minded, and you're tossed to and fro. Like, I don't really know. You know, I'm going to give this Jesus thing a try, but, you know, there's a part of me that just really relates to Buddhism, and, you know, I'm just crying. No, make up your mind. The prophet said in the Old Testament, he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If God is God, then choose him. If Baal is God, then choose him. But don't sit here in this place of indecision. It's not helping you. It gives you no commitment, no focus. The courage to make a decision is when your life begins to change. And what what people call committed or decisive in our culture is not committed and decisive at all. Most of what we think of as commitment and decision making is actually really, truly complacency. It's complacency. Complacency is quitting without leaving. And some of you are like, I'm committed to my marriage. And I'm like, no, you're not committed to your marriage just because you, you're there. You might be with them, but you left them a long time ago. And the only way your marriage changes is not by you saying, oh, I'm committed just because I'm there. No, no, no. The way it changes is when you make decisions to change the way things are going. You actually begin to put things in work. It's like James said, faith without works is dead. It's not beneficial. It's not helpful. It's not doing anything for anybody. And a faith that just sits there stagnant and isn't moving forward isn't helping you and it's not helping other people. God never wanted you or intended for you to stay where you are. God is always calling us forward into more, into something greater, into another realm, into another dimension, into more faith. He wants us to go from glory to glory and from strength to strength. He never intended for you to stay where you are. Complacency is ruining your life. It's it's quitting without leaving and it's crowded with, with people who have good intentions and the shoulda, woulda, coulda crowd and the complaining and blaming crowd. And, and listen, it's not that that crowd doesn't care, but they slide into complacency to a point where they're just like, this is good enough. This is fine. 
Now, some of them don't care at all. But most are in this place, not because they don't care. They've just got to this point where uh, this is enough. This is as good as it'll ever get. I mean, it is a nicer place than my parents had. It is a better marriage than my parents had. It is, it is a better job than my dad had. I mean, it is a nicer life than they had. And we're comparing our lives with what other people are accomplishing. But God never intended for you to compare your life with what other people accomplish. He, compended, he, he wants you to, to look at your life in, in respect to what he has designed for your life. And I just want you to know that no matter where you are, you are not supposed to stay there. Come on, somebody, help me in this room. God has more for your life. Listen, I don't care how old you are. You're like, I'm old. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna just, just play out. I'm just gonna sit here on the porch and drink sweet tea until Jesus comes. That is not what God wants for your life. If there is still breath in your body, there is more. There's more. And I love it because we see it so clearly with David. I love this story, and I'm gonna use this story because I don't have to go into a lot of context because most of the world knows the story of David and Goliath. And when you go into this story, you see this incredible victory of David over to Goliath, this little guy, he defeats this giant. But more than that, this story is about people who were complacent and a person who made a decision. There, there, are, there, are, there, are, there, there are a ton of people gathered here in this story, and none of them are doing anything, and only one person steps up. And in this story, you find thousands of people sitting around with the army just on the outside of their camp for 40 plus days while he is threatening them, cursing them, dishonoring their God, and they are doing nothing. Why, because complacency says, as long as the devil isn't in my house, I'm cool. As long as he's not messing with my stuff, then I'm fine. As long as he doesn't come from over there into here, then everything is good. And we think we're supposed to build this wall around us to keep the devil out. No, that's what, that is not what God wants for believers. Jesus told Peter, he said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Gates are entry points. Jesus intended for us not to build a wall to keep the devil out, but to kick the devil's gates in and take the territory that belongs to us. This city belongs to us. This region belongs to us. It belongs to us for the glory of God. I'm not giving the devil Daniel Boone High School. I'm not giving him Elizabethan. He can't have Kingsport. He's not going to live in Johnson City. He's not going to run the Southeast. This belongs to us. As long as he does No, this belongs to us. David said, is there not a cause? Like, why are you sitting here like this? And they get mad at him. They're like, David, what are you doing here? You're not a warrior. What are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. What are you doing here? Why do people do that? Because when you get passionate about something, when you start to make decisions, you start to walk into the thing that God has for you, it exposes the apathy in other people. So anytime you're doing something for God, expect criticism. Expect people to talk bad about you. Expect people to tear you down. Expect bad reviews on Google. Expect somebody to unfollow you on social media. Expect it because it comes with the territory. When you are doing something for God, it exposes the people who aren't. And they're not mad at you. They're mad at themselves. 
Oh, they take it out on you. They talk about you, but it ain't. You're not their problem. They are their problem. You become a mirror for their indecision. Because they look at you and they're like, how can you? Who, who are you? You're too young. You're just a boy. You shouldn't do that. Who are you to talk like that? Who do you think you are? Why did they do that? Because you came from the same, same place, same circumstances, and you're doing what they never had the courage to do. And it exposes that. So now they're just, all, they, all they're left to do is talk about you. Why? Because those that don't criticize those that do. So David said, there's, there's got to be some reason. Like, why are we sitting around here waiting? Let's go on the attack. I'm not waiting for Goliath to run at me. I'm going to run at him. I'm not waiting for him to make the first move. I'm going to run at him. Watch David. He's, he's, he has no title. He has no position, zero authority, no armor, no sword. He's not even trained as a soldier. You are not stuck today because you need more. You are stuck because in reality, you don't want more. I told you I was going to offend everybody in the room over the next 24 minutes. You only got 11 more minutes of this, so just hang in there. Hang in there. Hang in there. You're not stuck because you need more. Everybody's like, oh, if I had their resources, if I had their job, if I had their money, if I had their marriage, if I had their opportunity, then I'd do what they do. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Because you, you, have, you have God's ability on the inside of you, still you refuse to do it. You don't have just any normal spirit on the inside of you. You've got the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead on the inside of you. You don't need their opportunity. You need to tap into the spirit of God on the inside. Of you. you don't need their money. You need to tap into the spirit of God that lives on the inside of you. You don't need their, op you need to tap into the spirit of God that is on the inside of you because the same person that's doing it, I guarantee you they never thought they could do it. It's the spirit of God on the inside that's doing it in them as well. And you're criticizing something you don't need to criticize because you could do what they do if you'd make the decisions that they made. A lot of people look at people, I want the life they have. Well, you better make the decisions that they made. <laughs> he had nothing, and he's, he's, he's looking at him like, why, you got swords, you got shields, there's thousands of you, and you're afraid of one guy. Let's Star Wars this dude. Let's just run around his legs and string him up and flick him down and chop his head off. Like, what are we doing right now? Some of y'all get that when you get home. Like, oh, Star Wars. Like when they flew the ships around. The... And, and, and a lot of times we don't want more. Why? Because more is always occupied. More is always occupied. Somebody is always living in better. There's, a, there's opposition when you make a decision. And so we, we, we're satisfied to, to have dreams and aspirations and goals. And Hey, man, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just, I got this dream board, bro. Just writing all my dreams down. Like, are you accomplishing any of them? Nah, man, I'm just a dreamer. <laughs> okay, dreaming doesn't pay the bills. Dreaming doesn't put food on the table. Dreaming doesn't change anybody's life. Doing what you dream, stepping into what you dream requires decisions. You're capable. Nobody's holding you back but you. Nobody. Let me give you three opportunities you have when you make a decision. The first one is this. 
creativity increases in your life. Creativity increases in your life. Why? Because when you make a decision to do something, you have to figure out how you're gonna do it. When you're put into a situation where you don't know how to do what you wanna do, you have no option but to get creative. There are a lot of people like, man, I just, I can't get creative. Like I just, I try to, I try to get in my house and like I try to turn like some cold play on and like I get out a pencil and I, I just wanna, I just wanna think and dream and be. I just, but I can't, I'm in a, I'm, I'm in a creative block right now. I just, I, I can't, no, no, it's not that you, you don't have creativity or access to creativity. It's just you haven't made a decision. I, I, I want to write a book, but I just can't, just, like I can't, I don't know. I just, I feel like a creative, like a creative block. We'll decide what you want to write about. And watch, creativity comes. But creativity doesn't come until you make a decision to do something. We're just waiting for inspiration. Inspiration. My goodness, we have so much inspiration in this country. It's like Christians. We have more revelation than we know what to do with. We are choking on the word of God. We have so much of it. Our problem is not revelation. It's application. We don't do what we know to do. <laughs> oh my goodness, that set somebody free. I know it did. It made me feel good. Increase, create, increase creativity. Watch this. You cannot figure out how to do what you don't want to do. That's really simple, isn't it? Like I told you, like I didn't make a high score on my ACT. Like you cannot figure out how to do what you don't want to do. My son Judah, he's really good at math and uh, I'm not, I don't like math. And it's not because I can't do it, it's because I don't want to do it. Have you ever, have you ever has, your, has your kid ever brought like a bad report card home? And they're like, I just, I'm just dumb. I just, I'm not smart. And you look at him and it's like, no, it's not that you're not smart, it's that you're not trying. If we would listen to like a third of the advice we give our kids, our entire life would change. But we've become professional Yodas, just sitting up, man, I'm in the Star Wars, like just sitting up on a seat, telling everybody what to do, and we're just getting fat and wrinkly and just like, <laughs> let me give you wisdom, and like, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> but Judah, he's really good at math, and he showed me a problem. He's taking, uh, I don't, he's taking all these different classes, and he's taking like this physics class. And it's, it's different than like a uh, train left this morning at 8 a.m. and it was traveling north. Like, it's different. It's like the train w weighed like, you know, this much and it was going at this speed. It's all, the, it's, it's crazy stuff. Like physics is insane. I, I don't, I don't ever want to understand it. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I would just, that would be the end of life. Like if I... <laughs> I have accomplished all I can accomplish. Like, <laughs> it's like, just, I'm done there. But it's, it's, it's really not that I can't do it. It's that I don't want to. Why? Because I don't want to do the work that's required. Why? I just don't want to. And you cannot do what you don't want to do. 
So you have to make a decision. I, I, think, I think we have this thing, this built-in excuse because we read the Bible and it's like God is constantly encouraging the, the weak and he's like, you know, uh, you know, where you're weak, I'll make you strong. And, and we think for some reason we misinterpret this as God is like cool with weakness. That, that is not the case. When, when, when Paul says, I prayed that he would take this thing away from me, but God said to me, he said, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. He's not giving him an excuse to stay weak. He's actually saying, I'm gonna bring strength to the area that you're weak. If you'll give it to me, I can make you strong where you're weak. See, we live in a world that says only focus on your strengths and don't do anything about your weakness because they're just your weaknesses. They're just who you are. That's just how you were born. And God's like, no, that's not how I created you. I created you with that void so that I could fill that void so that people could see the power of God at work in your life. Do you know what would probably change more people is if I could do physics than this? Because people would be like, well, I get that you, I see you do that every Sunday. But if you solve the physics problem, then God is probably really moving through you. See, that's what the supernatural is all about. See, see, and that's why we get, we get so caught up with just, with just normal because normal is what we can do. But God never intended for us to just do what we can do. Like this needs to be saturated with his presence and his power. Like, yeah, we come and yeah, we've got weaknesses, but I'm not leaving the same way I came in. I just want you to understand, I didn't come here to play games with my weaknesses or to placate my weaknesses or to pet my weakness on the head and say it's all good. No, I want the power of God to reside where my weakness is so that where I am weak, he can make me strong. So it increases my creativity. Second thing, it increases my energy. <laughs> energy follows your decisions. Before you decided... You, you were reluctant, you were lethargic. When you don't make a decision about your energy, your energy is wasted. And if you don't control where your energy goes, then you're gonna give your energy to everything. And you're gonna think you don't have time for anything, but it's not really that you don't have time or energy, you just aren't focusing your energy. You've got more than enough you're just not putting it in the right places. I love Jesus because when he sets his face, he says, I'm not gonna focus on that. I'm not gonna put that fire out. I'm not going to that person's house. I'm not gonna follow them over there because I need the energy that is necessary to make it to Jerusalem. I know where I'm going and so I can't try to, I can't try to fix every situation. And some of y'all are putting your energy into so many things, you don't have the energy necessary to do the main thing that you are called to do. So you got to make a decision. And when you make a decision for something, you automatically make a decision against something. I love people who are like, man, I just, bro, I just want to be known what I'm for. I just want people to know me for what I'm for. I get that. That's, that's really sweet. The problem is, is when you make a decision to be for something, you automatically by default are against something. I get the, the idealism. I get it. I want to be known for what I'm for. I'm a positive person. I get it. But once you make a decision to be for something, you automatically make a decision that you're gonna be against something. So it's like once you make a decision to not get distracted, you're automatically gonna to have to stop putting out fires that you put out before. You're automatically gonna to stop to have, you're gonna to have to stop paying attention to relationships that you were paying attention to before. Okay, energy. Third thought, it limits your options. So when you make a decision, it limits your options. When you don't, make decisions, shiny objects win. 
You ever met somebody who's like this week, they're, they're trying to sell you this, and then the next week they're on this kick, and then the next week they like started a business, and the next week they're not doing that business, they're selling cards, like they're just like, I just wanna, I just wanna keep my options open, bro. No, here's the problem with options open. If you never get planted anywhere, you really won't ever see fruit anywhere. You have to make a decision. I'm boxing with somebody right now. Somebody's throwing haymakers at me right now. I can feel it. But you, you're, I just want, I just want, my, no, no, you need to start making some decisions. You need to start limiting your options. If you don't, shiny object wins. Squirrel! It's like my dog, when it goes outside in the mornings, they take it outside, because I don't mess with this dog. They take this dog outside. I call it this dog, it's my dog. It's, it's got a name, it's called Mellow. And uh, they take it outside, and, and, and if the other dogs from my neighbor's house are out, he can't go to the bathroom. Why, because they're all up on the fence like this, looking at each other. What are you doing? What's going on in your world, bro? What are you, what's happening over there? And you're doing the same thing. You're looking on Instagram, like, well, how are they living? All the while, people are living their life and you're commenting and liking and swiping. And I, I sideswiped on the Instagram stories the other day. It took me like four minutes just to swipe. You know, the top where you can just swipe through the people? Like, I just, I couldn't get to the end. And I'm only following like 430 people. Some, some people's profiles I look on and they're following like 5,000 people. How do you do this? Too distracted. Too distracted, trying to live my life, and my phone buzzes. Oh, oh, I got a notification. Sorry, sorry. I, I, I really need to, to get out of here and start this company that God put in my heart, but man, look at that vacation they went on. It's incredible. Oh, they've been really working out. Look at that. Wow. Will you stand with me? Increases your creativity gives you new energy, limits your options. You gotta make a decision. Years ago, I made a decision. When I was, I was about 19 years old, I made a decision that I was going to be a preacher. And what that meant was I was gonna have to put sermons together every week. And uh, I was thinking the other day, I've, I've written over 1,000 sermons and I've preached for nearly 50,000 hours. I told my staff like 40,000, but I didn't count. I didn't think about the fact that I preached three times every Sunday for the past six years. So I'm up around 50,000 hours of preaching. And I didn't, I, I didn't start out with that as the goal. All I did was say, God, here's my life. I'm deciding that I'm gonna preach the gospel for you. And over a thousand sermons later and 50,000 hours of preaching later, do you see what I'm saying? You make a decision, even a small one, it can change the next 20 years of your life. It can change the whole trajectory of your life. You need to make a godly decision. You're not a season away, you're a decision away. You're not years away, you're a decision away from your whole life changing. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this opportunity to be here today.